DTR, week four, we are talking about romance. This applies to everybody. This applies to the people that are middle school, high school, someday, right? Someday, that someone, you are going to have this experience, you're going to meet this person, and you are going to move into that relationship, and it is either going to be done the way God wants you to do it, or you're just going to wing it, or you're just going to try to figure it out, whatever it is. And for those of us that are like, 22, 23, college, maybe dating, serious, thinking about marriage. This is right where you are. And God has an amazing relationship for you. He wants you to have relationship. Very few people are going to move through life and have like this single experience the whole time. God wants that for you. He designed the world that way. He wants you to have a partner through life. He wants you to have that kind of intimacy. And for those of us that have been married, I mean, we are constantly on this journey. And we are constantly learning. We are constantly growing. We are constantly trying to excel and learn and be better at romance and relationship and love. And some of us in this room have been through divorce. We've gotten married and then we've been divorced. And we're just struggling and we've had so much heartache. And we have so much um, uh, unkept promises and brokenness and and right now, I promise you that, that, that God has more, that, that he's not done with you, and that romance is still on the table. And there's more. There's more for you to move towards. And God has more to teach. And I've learned a ton through this series, and I hope you have too. And we're talking about um, what it really means to move through a progression and kind of find the kind of romance that God wants. It's, 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 it's a combination of wisdom and scripture and the Bible, what it has to say, what God has to say, experiences that I've gone through, and just a lot of learning, a lot of studying, and a lot of prayer to try to say, okay, here's what true romance is. And we've been using this this, uh, this house to kind of outline what true romance is. We've talked about how um, romance, uh, a person that is going to move towards true romance has got to have clear boundaries. And so I, as I've defined it, we've done it this way. I'll kind of go back and forth between the house and this picture right here. True romance has clear boundaries. Clear boundaries. Got to know who you are. You got to know what you value. And you got to learn to say no. And so... Look, if you're in here for the first time or you're online for the first time or you're just watching this, you got to back up because you got to go to week one and you got to look at these ideas that we talked about because everything kind of builds, starting with boundaries, having clear boundaries, knowing who you are, knowing what you're not, knowing how to say no. And then true romance has clear boundaries. It has true, true friendship, true friendship. And friendship is in this house is something that's kind of defined by the family room. It's defined by spending time together and building a relationship, and you spend 90% of your relationship, even when you're married, in friendship. So I suggest and, and, and believe that you need to move towards true friendship. You need to develop friendship. Some people don't like how I've said I think you should spend some serious time on friendship. I even uh, said a couple weeks ago, three years. And some people are like, whoa, 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 that's way too long. Way too long to develop friendship. Way too long. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to go. I got to come on. We got we to gotta move on. And I'm telling you that friendship, it flows through the entire relationship the way this graph we've talked about shows us. It flows forever. So if you don't have a foundation of friendship, you're going to want it later on because it's the lion's share of relationship. And we've talked about true friendship. What is true friendship? It's trust. It's being real. It's being unified. It's enjoying one another. So I suggest having true friendship because that's what you need in a relationship. It's the foundation. It never stops. And then we talked about dating. Dating last week. And really what dating is, is dating is investigating if a true friend is your true love. 
Dating is investigating if a true friend is your true love. You have true friendship. And then you kind of walk over to the dining table and you sit down and you move in. You get a little closer and you go, okay, I think, I think, I think that you're the one. And I want to explore a little bit more to see and investigate and seek He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Desire without knowledge is not good. So you go, I desire you. We have great friendship. Now I just want to know a couple more things about you. I want to talk long-term commitment. So we went through dating. We talked about what those things are. Dating, D-A-T-E. It's where you define yourself as a couple and you abstain from sex and you talk long-term commitment and then you E, you start to entertain romance. And so everyone gets this moment where after you have friendship, where in in an ideal scenario, you kind of build and then you date and then you date and then you date. And I talked about entertaining romance and how I brought this Acafellas group out to to love on Katie one time and get her attention. But I guess we're going to have a little reunion here. Guys, I don't know the words. Like I can't remember them. It's all right. We'll, we'll do it. You just want me to go with it? I mean, you think you can? Akif, okay. You just kind of want me to. Okay. All right. I can feel it. All right. I can feel it. Okay. I can feel it. I can't remember the words, but I'm going to try. Katie, this is for you. In the still of the night, I hailed you. I can't believe I'm doing this. Hailed you tight. For I love, love you so. Promise I'll never. Let you go in the still of the night. In the still of the night. Acafellas. I remember that night in May. The stars were bright up above. I hope and I pray. Your prayer should love so before. Come on. Love be for me again. your mind in the still night. In the still of the night. In the still of the night. You guys are too good. Give these guys a hand. What's funny about that is I just, I just, we just learned that this morning and we just did it the first time, right? The first time right there. Just kidding. We practiced for like eight hours. We irritated everybody at the office. I'm getting texts. Can you please stop? Can you please stop? Acafellas, you got to entertain romance, baby, sweetheart. Mm. Nothing but love. (laughs) Bringing you back to when I was 17. You were living that teenage dream. Come on, give it up. Whatever that song is. Katy Perry. She was like four then, but anyway. So, yeah, dating, like, it's important, right? There's a time when you turn it on. There's a time when, like, it happens and you, like, make it happen. It's good. And I'm not saying make it happen, like, go to the bedroom. I'm saying make, make romance happen. Make it happen. Pull out all the stops. Do something that's sweet. 
There's a little bit of flirting. I had some people, you know, going, wait a minute, you're not allowed to flirt before you're dating? Look, I'm telling you, like, when you start to flirt, you're opening up this pathway. And so I suggest friendship, 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 then investigating and dating, and you kind of go, okay, I'm going to start to turn and face this person, and potentially at the dinner table, this is the kind of person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And then today, we're talking about relational intimacy. And relational intimacy is the key to a healthy marriage. Relational intimacy is the key to a loving and lasting marriage. Relational intimacy is when you go exclusive. It's when you say you and only you forever you. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my soul. I'm going to give you my resources. I'm going to give you my body. I'm going to give everything I am to you. And I've waited until right now, till this moment, to do that. And I am ready to be intimate with my entire life. I'm ready to make a commitment. And you see, engagement, when you move towards engagement and you get to that moment, that is where you, for the first time, if you want to do this the way I think is wise, where you truly get intimate relationally and you have everything but the physical. You're talking long-term commitment, but you're starting to open up the floodgates of emotion and you're starting to say, I love you. I'm not one of these guys that like you don't have to, you have to wait to say I love you till you get married. I think when you get to engagement, if you're not there, if you're not I love you, if you're not all out, if you're not all in, I'm in, we are together, and I'm going to give you my life. That's relational intimacy. And I got to tell you, and, and, and this is going to be a hard day for some of us, because I'm going to talk about the the picture of marriage. I'm going to talk about why you get engaged and what marriage means. I'm going to talk about commitment, because commitment is the key to relational intimacy. And you see, what I have seen over and over and over and over again, and it is in our world, is that people stay in trouble relationally because they never wrap their head and their mind and their heart around head and their mind and their face. Head and their mind, I just didn't know if you caught that, I said head and mind, which is the same thing, but it's twice as important. Your commitment, commitment, you, you, you never get to the point where you truly understand commitment. Commitment is the reason 60% of the divorces happen, happen. It's because they don't understand commitment. Commitment says, I'm in. I'm in regardless. I'm here regardless of what happens. I'm all in. I'm here for you. You see, we're going to unpack that today, and we're going to look at how important it is to have a commitment. But the other part about relational intimacy, and the other part, when you move towards marriage, and you're like, okay, we're going to get engaged, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, is that this season of your life, this is the most supernatural spiritual thing in relationship you will ever have in your life. Engagement in marriage is spiritual. It's supernatural. And so what we have so many times, and, and what I do here at the church as I'm working with young couples and they're getting married, some are new, they come into the church, some just like find us on the outside and they're looking for someone to marry them. And that's fine. Like we want to help people. We want to teach people what marriage really is. But what happens so much is that people go through their own version of friendship or almost none at all. And then they go through their own version of dating. 
where they just have kind of done it their way and they've been, they've been doing it their way, they've been living together, they've been physical or they've lied to each other or they've had multiple partners and it just kind of like whittles away to this point where they go, I guess you're the one, I'm at the spot where I'm gonna be exclusive with somebody and I'm gonna get married. And then what happens is the two sit down together and they go, so we're gonna get married. Where are we gonna get married? Who's gonna marry us. And a lot of great couples are in our church, and you're like in the church, and you're like thinking, well, Joel's going to marry us, or Dave's going to marry us. You know, one of the leaders is going to marry us. Somebody here that's spiritual is going to marry us. But so many times, what happens is, is spirituality doesn't come into the picture until that moment. So what I'm, what I'm trying to share with you is that we understand as a culture that marriage is spiritual because so many of us that spend no time in the church go running to the church or running to a pastor to get married. And they think, and this is the danger, that when you run in and you get married in a church with a pastor who has the credentials, that that's the key, and it's not. So often the marriage, the priest, the pastor becomes the one and only spiritual part of the journey. And what I want to share with you today is that when you move into marriage, you are moving into something that God did, that he did for us. Scripture teaches that God took a man and a woman and put them together and that no one should take them apart. So what that means is that God has designed marriage. He built the guy and then he built the girl from the guy and he said, now I want to Put these together. They come together because of God's design. Marriage is spiritual. In the Old Testament, one of the most wise men that ever lived on the planet, he talked about the nature of relationship in marriage. He said, somebody can live their life and they can go on a walk or they can go on a run. And when they fall, it's difficult to fall. Difficult to fall when you're alone. But if you have somebody with you, it's easier because they can help you up. And then he said, guess what? When you're alone at night and it's cold, if you're by yourself, you're going to stay cold. But if you have someone with you, then they can be with you and they can keep you warm. And it says in this passage in the Old Testament where God is really teaching us some of the fundamental principles about what marriage is, it says two are better than one. And then it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When I got married, my pastor, who when we got married, on the day we got married, was celebrating 50 years of marriage. And he did our counseling, and he taught us what marriage is, and this sermon comes from him. This is what I was taught at that moment through those those years. He looked at Katie and I. He goes, so one strand is you, Joel. One strand is Katie. Who's the other strand? God. You realize that God is the backbone to a great marriage. That his patterns and his communication and his spirit is the great mystery that makes great relationships. That's what the scriptures really teach us. This great, mysterical, kind of unbelievable union. And so many of us, Go into it thinking, okay, we know each other, now we're going to do this. 
You see, in fact, what most people do, and again, no matter where you are on your journey, you should be here right now because this is special. Whether you haven't gotten married and you're going to get there, you're going to be given a grid today about love that is going to help you. And if you are thinking about a person and you've got some questions, this is going to help you. And if you're in a marriage, this is going to help you because if you can take this principle, then it is going to revolutionize your marriage. But most of us, those of of us that are getting married and those of us that will get married one day, we typically, in the culture that we live in, think of marriage in terms of partnership. Partnership. This is not God's design for marriage. Partnership is where you say, I will do what I'm going to do as long as you do what you're going to do. So if you're leasing a car or you're renting a place to live or whatever you're doing with a contract, any type of contractual agreement is a partnership. So you say, I'll give you the rent. And the guy says, if you give the rent, you can live here. As long as you give the rent, you can live here. But as soon as you don't give the rent, you can't live here. This is 50-50. I provide the place to live. You provide the money. And that's how this works. Partnerships and so many marriages are defined by a 50-50 understanding of how it's going to work. It says, hey, I'm going this far. I'm going to do this much. As long as you meet me here, then we'll be okay. And essentially, partnership is conditional. That's what it really is. It's Here's the conditions. As long as you do this and you do that, then I'll do this and I'll do that. But as soon as you don't do this, I'm going to stop doing this. You see, so many marriages, even Christian marriages, even pretty solid Christian marriages operate from partnership. And here's how I can tell you I know you do this. You know what you do? You don't have this on your wall. You don't have like a little chalkboard. You might maybe have it in your phone. But essentially, you operate from something that I like to call the scoreboard. The scoreboard. Oop, I win. I did this one. I did this one. And then what you do when you keep score in a relationship and you're 50-50 and you're a partnership is I did this and I did this and I did this and I got the column for them and they're not doing it. And then the relationship goes like this. You know, I thought, you know, when I did this, I expected. You know, I'm coming at this. I'm giving mine. Where are you? Where are you? You see, relationships that live that way are going to struggle forever because you are always going to be in a relationship where if you keep the score, you're going to win sometimes and you're going to lose sometimes. And there's going to be times where you win so much that that person is just going to be like, you're going to think, no way, I can't be with this person, they just keep losing. Or you're going to lose so much that you're going to feel like there's no way that that person should keep loving me. And it's just an impossible way to do relationship. But see, commitment is the key to relational intimacy, and most people that move into relationships with partnership 50-50, what they do is they don't have commitment. It's conditional. It's conditional. You see, God's way is very different. It's very spiritual. So what I'm going to do for us today is I'm going to use a really spiritual word. This is a theological word. This is a word that, like, you're not really going to hear in common language. You're not going to, like, talk about it that much. But in your marriage, it needs to be the backbone. And it's something that God teaches us, and we're going to unpack it today. We're going to talk about what commitment really is. And the word that really defines it is the word covenant. You see, covenant is completely different than 50-50. Covenant is completely different than partnership. Covenant is completely different than conditional. Covenant says, I'm 100% in. I'm all in. A covenant says, I'm here giving everything I got and 
the world around me, the conditions aren't going to change that. You see, the common way to define a covenant and that way, the way that we should talk about it and we should bring weight to and understand in the context of marriage at our church as we're moving towards marriages and trying to have healthy marriages is the word promise. You see, when you get married or you're thinking about getting married or you want to get married, what you need to understand is that you get to be a part of this God thing that is unbelievable. And in your marriage, this is so cool, you get the opportunity to represent the kind of love that God has showed you to the world by the way you love one another. And it's with a promise. And a promise is this crazy love that you go, I'm 100% in, there's nothing that can change me, and it's unconditional. It's unconditional. You see, when you move towards a relationship, a marriage relationship, the one relationship that is supposed to be the way that God said you would do it and that your relationship would represent God to the world, you're moving towards something unconditional. And when you're unconditional and you make a commitment and commitment is the key to relational intimacy or engagement in a healthy, happy marriage, what you're looking at is long term. You see, long term means long term. It means I expect to be here forever. So I'm making a promise to you, and I'm going to be here through the thick and the thin. And you see, that's what we say in our marriage vows. What do we all say? We say this, for better or for worse. But what really happens is that we don't understand what for worse means. We don't understand commitment. We don't understand covenant. And when we say for worse, we're really thinking partnership, which is really the same way of saying for better or for worse, but if this happens, if he does this, if she does that, then I'm not going to do it. Well, that's not a commitment. That's not a covenant. You see, you get the opportunity to go and say, I'm all in. And you should do that with this person, but you should understand fully what it means to bring God into your relationship and represent the love that God has to the world through your relationship. And it's done through a long-term, unconditional covenant that's a promise that says no matter what the conditions are, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm all the way in. Now, some of you right now, you're going, holy smokes. I don't know if I can do that. And I don't know if I should. And I don't know how. And I don't know. Da, 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 da. Let me just back you up for a second and show you how God started this pattern of promise. Okay, commitment is the key to relational intimacy. And we learn that first and foremost, and God shows us, here's how you're supposed to love one another. Here's what love really is through his first promise to us. So here's what happens in the Old Testament. I'm going to take you to the Old Testament. We're going to look in Genesis for a second here, and I want to show you how God chose to make a promise to us regardless of the circumstances. You see, God said in his mind, in his plan, he's like, I want to bless the world. I want to bless them. I want to give them a way to have eternal life. There had been this sin problem, and he said, I want to make a people group for myself. I'm going to have a group of people who through those people, the story of me is unraveled for all to see. I'm going to get a group of people, and I'm going to share how much I love the world through those people, and ultimately, 
I am going to come down to the earth through those people and show them how much I love them. So that's the story of Jesus. But it starts with him picking a group of people. And what he did is he picked a guy that was really no one from nowhere. I mean, his process of showing how much he loved the world was not because he went and found some guy that had a lot of merit and that did a lot of right things and that just kind of had a special religious kind of demeanor. He literally did like a spin the tail on the donkey approach to finding this guy that he was going to start his group of people with. He just kind of spun around and they went, boom, and he picked this man named Abram. And Abram was from this place like in the middle of nowhere called Ur. And he just pulled him out and he said, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm going to do something awesome for you. And he started this relationship with him. And he's like, okay, great. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do this. Now, while he was in a relationship with God, Abraham took his wife one time to Egypt and lied about her. And he just started to lie. And at that moment, you and I ask, or we would ask, come on, he's a liar. Is he really going to, like, bless the world through this liar? And God goes, absolutely, I'm going to bless the world through this liar. I'm going to use this guy because this, this is it. This is not about Abraham. This is about me. God says, not about Abraham being perfect. Not about Abraham not telling lies. Not about Abraham coming from somewhere and being somebody before. No, 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 no. I picked Abraham pretty much because he's the opposite, and I expected him to mess up, and I'm going to, like, bring my love to you, and you're going to see that I bring my love, and this is about me, and even if you're imperfect, I'm still bringing my love because that's what I'm about. I'm a God of promise. So God gets a hold of Abraham, and he says, hey, guess what? I am going to bless your socks off. And he makes a promise to him. And essentially, God does this like proposal, if you will, kind of a mysterious, magical setting for him saying, you are my guy. And through you, I'm going to bring a promise and it's going to bless everybody. And in Genesis 15, he does this to Abraham and he brings him outside and he makes this promise to bless the world through him. Look at this. It says he, that's God, took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now what happens here is Abraham goes outside and he looks up at the stars and God is like showing him like, look, look, look. I'm telling you, this is awesome. I made all the stars. The stars are beautiful. There's so many of them and I'm going to like bless you. Like I know that like you don't believe me, but like this is, I want you to see I made that so I can do anything. Do you see it? Like Abraham, like I made the stars. So if I make you a promise, like I'm going to bring it to fruition. Like I'm going to make it happen. And Abraham goes like, but I can't get my wife pregnant. I can't do it. And he goes, oh, oh, I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you, this is about me, not about you. I know you're 75 years old, and you haven't been able to get your wife, Sarah, pregnant. But I'm telling you, like, I'm going to make the promise. This is about me, because I'm going to come 100%. I'm making a covenant. I'm making a promise. It's unconditional. Whatever you're dealing with, not going to stop me from doing what I'm going to do. And then Abraham's like, I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to believe this. And he kind of says, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. And then he says, I want to show you even more how serious I am about it. Because Abraham keeps going, but God, my wife can't get pregnant. I'm old. Da, 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 da. And what happens is, is he says, okay, Abraham, go and get three animals, like a goat, a pig, and a cow. And cut them in half. And I know this sounds crazy. Cut them in half. 
And you see, in that day, when an animal would die, it represented seriousness. It was like, dude, this is like how we live. This is like, we, if we don't have these animals, we don't eat. We don't have milk. We don't have water. We, don't, we need these animals. So I want to show you, Abraham, through the death of these animals, how serious I am about making this promise with you. And what happens is, is Abraham, he cuts these animals in half and he lays them down across the sides from each other, essentially making like an aisle way. Okay, so he's done the proposal. The stars are in the sky. I'm gonna make a promise to you. I'm all in, I'm relationally intimate. I'm giving you everything. It's about me, not about you. And then he says, you don't believe me? I'm telling you, let me prove it to you. These animals represent how serious I am. And then when the night comes, it says that Abram fell asleep falls down on the ground, and then the Holy Spirit of God comes and walks down the aisle to Abram. Really, really cool. Look what it says here. This is a little bit later. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a, sm- excuse me, a, folk, a, sm- ooh, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared. This is kind of God in the supernatural representation. And passed between the pieces. So here comes God in this kind of mysterical flaming torch, walks down the aisle. Abraham is sitting at the end of the aisle. He's asleep. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant. The Lord made a promise with Abraham. And he said to your descendants, I give this land. I give this land to your descendants. I don't care that you lied. I don't care that you're struggling with this. This is about me. I'm 100% in. I'm going to bless the world. All the stars, the Savior of the world is coming through you. I made the commitment. There's nothing you can do about it. You're asleep. I'm doing it. He's in. God made a commitment to Abraham. He said, I'm giving you everything. You're going to be blessed. I'm giving you the land. I'm giving you the people. I'm giving you the offspring. I'm giving, 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 I'm giving. You know, you know how you, you can just like prove how God's wor- love works? As soon as God blessed the stars and said, the stars represent my love, and as soon as the death of these animals represented the covenant and the commitment, as soon as that happened, the next chapter in Genesis 16, Abram is like, Man, we still can't have kids. So maybe like a month or two goes by and his wife is going, we can't have kids and we're supposed to like, you told me about the star thing and like the blessing thing and like, I don't know how we're going to bless the world if we don't have any kids. So she says, go ahead and sleep with the maidservant, Hagar, and have a baby with, with, with her because man, we got to have like this thing take place because man, God made a promise. And they leapfrog God and they try to do it their own way. And you know what God does? He still blesses them. He says, I know you're a liar, and I know you struggle with believing in me, and I know I like, did this amazing ceremony where like, I showed you the stars, I made an aisle way, the animals, the blood, the commitment, the promise. I know I told you that. Like, I made it really, really clear to you, and you still don't believe me. So you went and slept with your maidservant, had a different son named Ishmael, and guess what? That's not going to stop me. Not going to stop me. You know why, Abraham? Because my love is about me. I'm committed to this. I'm going to make this happen. So much that his wife does eventually get pregnant. And the baby's name is Laughter. Because God said, I'm bringing joy, baby. I'm bringing love into the world. And nothing's going to stop me. 
And when the baby was born and she's that old, she was like 90-some years old and she has this baby, nobody can believe it because it's just not supposed to happen. And this baby comes to the world and all the people that are there birthing the child are laughing. So they named him Laughter. Because God is funny, isn't he? You know what it means? It means God is different. It means God is joyful. It means God says, I'm 100% into love. And no matter what you do, it's not going to stop me from what I'm going to do. This is a happy moment. Not because you're perfect, but because I'm bringing my son into the world through your son and his offspring and his offspring. And what's going to happen is that person that comes to this world one day will be me in the flesh and I will bring love that nobody has ever seen before. Wow. Marriage is unconditional love. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a promise. Marriage is a hundred percent. Here's what it means when you get married. It's the same thing God said to Abram. Nothing you can do can stop me from what I am going to do. Nothing. I'm all in. I'm all in. Some of you right now are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't like, okay, I'm not like a scholar or anything, but didn't Jesus say that if my spouse or my wife or whatever was unfaithful that I could divorce? Yeah, he did. He did say that. But do you know what he says after that? He says this in the New Testament. He says, hey, Moses lets you get divorced. He gave you an out because of the hardness of your hearts. What God is saying is marriage is a heart issue. And when your heart goes hard and you turn away and the love stops and you're done, you've already divorced. You've already been there. But you see, just because he gave you the opportunity to have a legal separation and we all feel like, okay, we're allowed to get divorced, and that's just really an, a, a display of grace. Hey, you're broken, you're, you're struggling, that person was unfaithful to you, and your heart is hard, you, you can get out of it. You can get out of it. But do you know that God says, if you would listen closely and see how it is that you can bring a soft heart to marriage, regardless of the circumstances, then you'll never get to that point. You see, a heart gets hardened. Listen, listen, listen. A heart gets hardened in marriage when you place it in someone else's hands and you say, you have to be perfect in order for this to work. Your heart stays soft when you say, the softness of my heart, the commitment of my life is about me and God. It's about God loving me unconditionally and me choosing to love someone unconditionally and nothing that they can do, no score, no losing, no lying, no cheating, nothing they can do can stop me because I've come to this point through friendship and dating that I love you, I'm laying it all here, and I'm all in. And with that, you get to display and bring the God love into the world. You see, when things happen that aren't supposed to happen, and look, we've all been there, right? Like, we've all had, like, struggles. Come on, all of us that are married, let's just, let's just be real for a second. If you haven't been in a conversation one time where you're fighting and you're looking at the door, you're not being real. All of us have been there. I'm, I've been married for 10 years. 
understood covenant. Katie and I will get to those moments which is so challenging. I'm going, can this really, can this, can this, can this? And you know why we stay? Because I just keep reminding and God reminds me, this is about me. This is about me. She doesn't need to be anything for you to keep moving because that's not how this started. You started by saying, I'm going to represent the kind of God love to the world in this relationship. Doesn't matter. Unconditional. You made a promise, Joel. You made a promise. And so I will tell, and Katie and I, you got, come on, we fight toe-to-toe. There's those moments, and then it's like I get to that part, and I'm going to be funny here, but it's not funny, but it is funny. I'm going to be like, I'm not going anywhere because I committed to God. God bless America. I am here. We are going to stay with it. Just stop doing the one thing and the other thing. I'm telling you, it's a dynamic that I know that I know is rare. Now, here is the magic. Listen, 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 listen. Everything, this is, this is the series. This is like the game changer. This is like relationship. This is it. This is so important. This is why who you choose to marry is a huge deal. You see, if you can bring this idea to engagement, then you get the freedom, you get the the beauty of making a decision to bring 100% to someone else that understands that and commits to that. What you're looking for in marriage is not someone to say, I commit 100% to you, but I've committed 100% to God to love you unconditionally because I'm going to bring love into the world. People are going to see it, and they're going to go, that is special. Those two people are moving towards each other in intimacy regardless of the circumstances. That is what God did for us. You see, the slogan of a real marriage. Look, if you, you, if you don't fight, it's not real. If you don't have challenges, and that's a whole other conversation. How do we fight? Well, I did a series called Orchestrating Beautiful Conflict in Relationships. There's a way to fight, and it's not a bad thing. you got to fight a certain way. But when you get to these moments, and you're, you're like together, and it's, and it's a challenge, and you're pushing, and you're trying to figure it out, and you feel like things are cracked, and you feel like the, broken, the, the past was messed up, and you feel like the future is in jeopardy, and you're right there, you're right there. The only thing that's going to soften your heart is I have made a commitment to stay in something Regardless, I made a commitment. It's difficult. You see, listen, listen, listen. I said this already. People that cohabitate before they get married struggle to stay married more than people that choose to stay separate before because they get the sex, they get the physical intimacy, but they never actually made the heart level commitment. So when they get the sex and the relationship and it gets difficult, they go, well, I didn't commit to this. I should have just kept it at this. You know what that means? That means that you're just doing it for you. You're just doing it for you. And I know that some of you love each other. I, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's because you haven't seen this God paradigm. It's because you haven't learned this, that it's all about 100%. So you're kind of testing the waters. And you're cohabitating and you're getting to have your cake and eat it too. And then when you get all of it, you go, ooh, I didn't commit to this. And you leave. And that's what happens. 
It's like, man, I thought, I thought it was better before. I don't want to make a commitment where I like have to stay with this forever. Well, how easy it is to just get this and not make a real commitment. Girls love that, by the way, guys. They love it. Oh, he's just sleeping with me, but I don't know if we're going to last. I know, it's sad, right? I mean, that, it, it's, it, it's like common. You see, a marriage relationship says slow, slow, slow. Friend, friend, friend. Date to get serious. And then it turns and it becomes this, I'm all in with this relationship, so I'm all in with this relationship right here. Nothing you can do can stop me for what I'm going to do. Nothing, nothing. And I chose you because I know you understand that too, and that's who I chose to give my life to. But once you move down that road and you make that commitment to that person, it's all on you, no matter what they do. You see, the, the slogan of this type of couple is, I still love you. You see, it's, it's, I still love nothing to stop me. I love you. I'm all the way in. You, don't, you need to understand nothing you can do. You can even get to the moment when you understand this type of love that you can go, you can even test me. Try to push me. You can't mess me up. Now, don't try that too much. That's, that's dangerous. It's just nothing you can do. You know those times when, like, your spouse, come on, married people, come on, just for a second. When, like, your spouse does something, you're like, I've told them to do this, like, eight different times, and they keep not doing it. And then in your mind, you keep thinking, like, they're doing that on purpose. Oh, yeah. He knows that I want him to do that, but he won't do that. He's doing it on purpose. And then your defense is, well, I just, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. You see, what you have to be able to do is just cut out that junk and those lies and just, it doesn't even matter if they are doing it on purpose. It doesn't matter. I'm here. Nothing you can do can stop me from what I'm going to do. I'm all in, and it's beautiful when both are on that page. Commitment is the key to relational intimacy. Now, what I want to do is I want to do something really, really cool, something that is special to me. It's, um, it means a lot to me. I, I do about four to six weddings a year. And I take people that, that I do marriage counseling with. I don't do regular counseling. I only do marriage counseling. And really it's just because I got to say all this to them in eight different ways. Um, but when you need real counseling, you need to go talk to someone that will listen to you. Because I don't, I don't want to listen. I just want to tell you something. Okay. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's true. but just, So like, I take people through these vows, right? And like, I, I wrote these vows because of how my marriage um, was, was kind of birthed and brought into the world through the guy that led us. And, and, and so some of the vows represent the vows that we said. But then as I've kind of studied and grown, I, I brought some vows of my own to the table. And I always offer these. And a lot of couples in this room have said these vows to one another. And what I want you to do is I'm going to read these vows. And I just want everyone to just kind of like sit, like, like just isolate for a minute, just you and you. And that's it. And bring God into this. And I'm going to go through these vows, and I just want you to kind of start to see God's picture for your life. You see, for some of you, this is your future. And I want you to look at this future. I'm going to go, God, show me what this is. Show me what this is. That's what I want. That's what I'm aiming for. I want to have that someday. If you're in high school, this is, this is what you're aiming for. This is what you want. You want to say something that matters. You want to know that it's spiritual. You want to stand there and have that wedding party actually be a wedding ceremony where a covenant is made and a promise is made that's unbelievable. And for those of you that are like just new and married or you're engaged, like I just want you to just take some time and give yourself a break right now because you're in the first year of marriage and you're already thinking about calling it quits. 
I mean, a lot sometimes just, I don't know, it's, you've thought about it, it's a challenge. Some of you are really doing well, but you need to redefine this moment, this time in your life. And for some of us that have been married um, for a long time, just bring this idea to your marriage. It will just refresh your marriage. It will just bring new perspective. It will just deepen your relationship with your significant other. And for those of you that have been divorced, and you've gone through and you said the vows, and then the hearts got broken and the lives got shattered, and you just have this, this past that's just like, ah, I just want you to see this, that God does have a plan. That he does have like a, a process that promises a big deal to him. And that someday you could move again into a relationship where these types of things are said and these types of things are meant and understood. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these and, uh, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to use my name. I, Joel take you, Katie, to be my wife. I promise God and you that from this day forward, I will love you and you alone. I will spend my life pursuing your needs and your desires, regardless of our circumstances. Today, I stand before God, you, and these witnesses to publicly declare my devotion to you. Today I am making a covenant with God to love you all the days of my life. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, our marriage will represent God's love for the world. Let's pray. God, right now you just, I, I, I just want you to take all of our hearts, just all of our hearts, all of our minds, and just remind us that this type of love is the kind of love that you displayed. That you went to the cross and you said, I love you regardless of the circumstances. I'm committed to you. I'm going to give my life to you. I have a plan for you. God, please help us to bring the cross into every relationship. To bring your gift of love. To bring your promise into every relationship. Thank you for showing us that the circumstances did not stop you from showing how much you love us. And help us, God. Help us, help us, help us, please. We need help. Our, 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 our humble prayer is help. Some of us are saying, help my future. And just say that, guys, right now in, in your heart, just quietly. Just say, help my future. Some of you are saying, help, help, my, help my engagement. Help my, help my present. Help right now. Help it, help it, help it. Some of you need to say, help my past. Help my past. So much hurt, God. And please, God, go before me in my future. And let me move down this path the way you want me to, the way that you laid it out, the way that you displayed. God, thank you so much for showing us what marriage really is, what covenant really is, what promise really is. Right now, God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around those that have been through divorce, that have just experienced that type of heartache. And show them your love. And God, for those that are in marriages right now, that are partnerships, that are 50-50, I pray that in your supernatural way that you would bring conversations and just a rearrangement of the, of, of the, 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 the relationship. That people would see it differently. That they would operate differently. And that the two might even renew marriage vows and look differently at love. God, thank you so much 
for showing us this crazy example of God love, of you on the cross, dying for our sins, laying it all out. Your promise, your covenant, your unconditional 100% move towards us is motivating. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.